The Orlando Magic have won 11 playoff series in franchise history. All 11 came with a player they drafted number one. Uh, They won a a few series with Shaquille O'Neal. They also had Penny Hardaway on the team, who they got when trading down from the number one pick the year after drafting Shaq number one. Uh, And then they were a consistent threat deep in the playoffs with Dwight Howard, who they drafted number one in 2004. Otherwise, a lot of stale years, a lot of stale years recently. The Magic have gone a dozen years without winning a playoff series, but Orlando has a a chance to get back on track now. Landed the number one pick in the lottery tonight. Very glad to be joined by Kobe Price of the Orlando Sentinel. Uh, Thanks for coming on. This is where I want to start. Uh, How much do you see this changing the trajectory of the franchise? I think some teams getting a number one pick matters more than others in terms of who they already have on the roster, where they are in team building, and also, very importantly, who the top prospects are that year. Some years it's better than others. But getting the number one pick the 2022 NBA draft for the Orlando Magic. How much do you think that changes the franchise's overall trajectory? Well, first off, uh, thank you for having me on. I, I really do appreciate the invite and you invite me into this space. But I think it's huge for the Magic. And this can be the kind of, you know, this is the kind of night that can accelerate their rebuild. And it's it's not just, you know, winning the lottery, but it's the, the opportunity to get, you know, your guy. You know, you, you get to identify because sometimes, you know, when you go, you're two, three, four, you know, you may not be able to secure your guy. You, you try, may try to move up. You may try to do a lot of different things, a lot of different mechanisms to get your guy, but you may not be able to get him because other people value, other teams value your guy more than others. So this is for them more than anything else to just gives them the opportunity. And obviously, you know, different front offices, you know, in their previous success, different people running the team. But the history suggests that when the Orlando Magic get the, the number one pick, they get their guy. It is a franchise-changing moment for them. It is something that's going to significantly alter their outlook, their future for the next, you know, three, five, maybe even ten years. So that's, you know, and obviously how good of a player they're going to draft, that will show itself. But the history suggests, not just with the Magic, but throughout, you know, the league's history, that the number one pick, you know, that is a franchise-altering player. And I think that's what – tonight means for the magic teams usually get it right there have been years where i've been surprised who went number one and teams often get it right i think one of the classic examples is the magic taking dwight howard in 2004 i thought that was going to be a mecca okafor um okafor was the more polished player uh the successful uh player at uconn dwight was coming out of high school you know you, you could see some upside from dwight but, but to make that leap and bet on that upside, well, yeah, that turned out to be very obviously correct. Dwight Howard, Hall of Fame career, uh, not really debatable except for people who don't know what they're talking about. Mecca Okafor, never here on that level. Um, I think about uh, Derek Rose over Michael Beasley, where I'm like, oh, man, somebody's so productive in college. How, how are you going to take uh, somebody over Michael Beasley? Turned out to be exactly correct. I, I think you, you nailed it when teams can take their guy um, – and you have, you have that top pick, usually they get it right. Um, they have all the info in front of them. But here's the big question. From what we know now, who is that pick going to be? Uh, from what you've seen, uh, I think there are three players who are, who are sort of in that top tier. But correct me if you see somebody else uh, in contention for this top pick. But I think the consensus top tier is Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, Jabari Smith from Auburn, and Paulo Bencaro from Duke. Uh, knowing what you know about those players, knowing what you know about the Magic, do you have a sense of who's most likely to be the top pick? 
Yeah, you know, this is – and the crazy thing is, you know, you try, you're gathering – you try, you know, you gather until you talk to people around the league, you know. And a lot of it's, you know, so preliminary because you, you until tonight you don't know where the Magic could be. You know, they could have been at number six, and you're having completely different conversations um, about the kind of player that they're interested in. But to me, I think from what, I, from what I'm gathering, from my understanding, I really think it comes down to two guys. You name two of them. I think it comes down to Chet, and I think it comes down to Jabari. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ask me right now, my what, what was my uh, instant reaction? I think Jabari's probably the guy. I, I think his his skill set, especially offensively, his scoring skill set, his scoring versatility, is something that the Magic, because of this current group, because of this current roster, I think that's something that will really fit a need. I know we talked with Jeff Wellman. He said, you know, there's really no need. Uh, I mean, I know no needs. There are, you know, we're going after the best player. We're going after the best player. We're not trying to like fit a need or we're not trying to, you know, do any of those things that like go after a specific position. But you look at the talent and the skill set. I think Jabari is the guy um, for them. And I also say Chet because Chet fits a profile that they've gone after, you know, previous years. You know, this raw potential talent, the height, the length, the size, um, and just the versatility, you know, of a versatile big. You know, we've seen it before with, uh, with Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba so on and so forth. And while Chet has the potential, I think Jabari also brings a certain level of um, of security. You you feel, you know, there's a feeling of, you know, no matter what happens, Jabari is going to be a, a very good player. There's a lot of questions about Chet, um, fair questions at that. But I think Jabari, you just feel like this is a guy who we're confident, more confident, is going to be, you know, a, a high-level contributor um, in the NBA. Yeah, Chet Holmgren is such a – he's a unique prospect. Um, he's more distinctive than than a lot of players you get near the trap of, top of the draft. Uh, you know, the, the height of a center, the weight of a shooting guard, uh, just, just so real thin it makes it hard <laughs> to project. Um, but a, a phenomenal defender in terms of blocking shots, his timing, his length. Um, but he can get pushed around some, so maybe he gets stronger and uh, fixes some of those issues. Uh, a lot of talent on the offensive end, somebody who, who can handle the ball, who can shoot from the perimeter. Um, you know, not the, the deadly shooter that Jabari Smith is, uh, but more of a playmaker, uh, capable of getting inside and finishing with touch in ways that I think Jabari Smith can. Jabari Smith looks a lot more like players we've seen succeed in the NBA. He looks more like players we've seen, period, in the NBA. I'm not sure the same is true of Chet Holmgren. Um, the Magic... Our, the front office is led by Jeff Weltman. He is the team president. He has the highest ranking title. I don't know whether this is uh, an accurate portrayal of how things are in Orlando, but I feel like relative to most teams, I hear more Jeff Weltman and John Hammond. I hear them put together, listed together, rather than, hey, Jeff Weltman's number one. We just need to say his name. Uh, John Hammond uh, you know, has the lower ranking title of GM. Uh, that's just title, right? In Orlando, the, the highest ranking title is present. That's what Jeff Weltman has. Uh, I'm not sure if I know yet a track record for Jeff Weltman as a drafter. Um, he's been in Orlando a little bit, but I don't know his style. Uh, John Hammond, maybe I knew it somewhat, but he also had so much success with Giannis, a, a transformational draft pick when John Hammond was running the Bucks front office, uh, that I wouldn't be surprised if there's an attempt to duplicate that if John Hammond has significant sway, do you have a sense? And I know it's early and they're all figuring this out. You know, how does this break down? Is this Jeff Weltman's call? Is it John Hammond's call? Are they on the same page regardless? 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, and you and you make a very good point, you know, and I should have said, said this earlier, like maybe it's it more John's influence, you know, in terms of, you know, the size and, you know, the, those those bigs, you know, those those big, long, lanky players in terms of – because we saw that a little bit in Milwaukee when John was there, right, in terms of the kind of players, mm-hmm. the type of players that were drafted. So I, I should have prefaced that earlier by saying that was probably, you know, a little bit more uh, – a lot more of a John influence with those selections too, um, especially as Jeff was, you know, getting more into the role of being the head of uh, of the organization from a basketball standpoint, basketball person standpoint. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, I, I think this is a – John has, you know, John is as influential as anybody else um, in the front office, but ultimately I think it's going to come down to Jeff. He's the ultimate, you know, decision maker um, when, with these kind of things from a basketball operation standpoint. So I think, you know, John's always going to have a significant influence. You know, John respects Jeff, Jeff respects John, and they all respect one another throughout, you know, the front office. But this is going to, for my feeling is, this is going to be a Jeff, you know, decision, or it's ultimately going to come down to Jeff's decision and he's going to be influenced by other people within the front office. But this is going to be, you know, a Jeff Weltman. Uh, I guess you want to put it like a Jeff Weltman pick, if that makes sense. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I, I think uh, what they were talking about of getting the best prospect available, not worrying too much about fit, is the exact right way to go. The Magic went 22-60 and 60 last year. I wouldn't be too concerned about fit with players on this roster. Uh, there are some solid young players, but nobody where I'm like, I need to build around them. Get me the best player with the number one pick in this draft, and I'll be thrilled and I can deal with everything else. But whoever that winds up being, you are going to have to deal with the fit concerns. I find it interesting this year that all three of the top prospects are all bigs. They're all front court players. There could be some debate of long term who's going to be a center or power forward or small forward, but they're all front court players. Um, the Magic already have a few front court players in Franz Wagner, Jonathan Isaac if he gets healthy, Wendell Carter Jr., Mo Bamba. How do you see, uh, and you said it, it kind of comes down to two, and we can just stick with Holmgren and Smith, because for what it's worth, I don't have uh, Paulo Bencaro in, in that top tier personally. I just wasn't sure if the magic felt otherwise. So we can focus on Holmgren and Smith. Do you think drafting either one of those, what effect that has on the rest of the roster, the incumbent roster, um, in, in terms of who, who would fit long-term or who, who would become prioritized because they'd fit so well, uh, who, who might they move on from, things like that? 
Yeah, I think, you know, focusing kind of keen on, on those two. I, I guess I'll go with Chet for right now. You know, with Chet, you know, he obviously he comes with his questions and his concerns, but, you know, you, you, you draft the number one pick, you want to give them the biggest, you know, runaway to success, right, or set them up for success the best way you can. And that comes with opportunity, that comes with playing time, that comes with being put in the right positions on both ends of the floor. Um, but like I said, there's more so opportunity with playing time. And with, for the Magic, you know, they have a free agency class uh, or, you know, they have a couple of free agents um, this offseason. You know, the key, the main one is Mo Bamba, restricted free agent, uh, entering, you know, once free agency picks up. And, you know, if you draft Chet, you know, it's going to become difficult to, for the Magic to be like, yes, let's bring back Mo Bamba in addition to all the guys you name, you know, in addition to Wendell Carter, in addition to, you know, Jonathan Isaac, you know, if, you know, comes back into next season healthy, you know, in addition to the other, you know, all the bigs they already have inside, if you add Chet to that group and it, may, it just makes, makes it more difficult or makes it less feasible that, you know, Mo Bamba will return to the Magic. I'm not saying it's impossible, but that's just another guy in the big man room, specifically the, you know, the center, more lean toward the center room, um, with that, could they all play together or mix and match? Yes, but you know, you're allocate. You want to allocate as much time as possible to you know Chet so he could develop. And with Jabari, there's a little bit more versatility, I, I, I suppose. Um, I guess theoretically, in terms of you know, you, you you're not as uh, I'm trying to say this. You're not as maybe the fit's a little cleaner, right? Like, if you bring in Jabari, that's not going to impact so much Mo Bamba's playing time. Now, it may, you know, it may change how often Wendell plays the four versus the five. Same with Franz playing the four versus the three. Chumo Kiki playing the three and four. Like, the lineups may change and how it looks on the floor, but that's also what the Magic are looking for. They're looking for versatile players, and they're looking to, to mix and match, you know, where guys play, their positions. Now, if I think if you do add Jabari, you have a little bit more flexibility in that sense and it may not impact you know their free agents as much but if you draft Chet I think that just makes it a little bit more difficult to bring back a guy like Mobamba or even a guy like Bol Bol um, who's also going to be restricted free agents this summer it just makes those those decisions a little bit more um, precarious if I guess when to use that word a little bit more difficult a little more sticky because then you have you know like you said you want to invest in whoever you draft at number one uh, Jalen Suggs and uh, Chet Holmgren played together in high school in Minnesota. There's a, a connection there, a friendship there. Uh, Jalen Suggs coming off a, for, for me at least, and I, I think some other people, a surprisingly uh, uh, poor rookie year. He was, I think, in pretty far over his head. Doesn't mean he won't figure it out. Do you think that, that high school connection, do you think that matters at all in this pick, or is that just, hey, that'd be a neat thing if it ends up Holmgren and, and him reuniting? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more so the latter. It's a neat thing. You know, ultimately the Magic are going to decide you know, they're going to make their decision based on who they believe is the best player and the best player for this team. But it wouldn't, you know, I think they're they're aware it would be a neat story, a nice story, if, you know, if Jalen's able to play with Chet again. But I don't believe they're in the situation of that's going to influence them too much. I think this, this is going to be a basketball decision because, like we said earlier, this is a decision that can accelerate things, that can put you in a much better position, you know. It's not even, we're not, forget even three years, it can put you in a much better position for next year and can really accelerate and get things on the track that you want to be on, you know, when you start a rebuild, you know, in March, 2021. When I look at the previous era of magic basketball, the, the post Dwight Howard 
era of Magic Basketball, uh, where this team has really never been able to get off the ground to win a playoff series, and you know even making the playoffs a couple years with uh, you know Nikola Vucevic as the top player didn't really seem to have much of a chance to advance in the playoffs. I think one of the big problems was even the draft picks that hit nobody turned into a star in Orlando. Uh, Aaron Gordon, pretty good player, not a star. Victor Oladipo became a star, but only later it took him a little while to to figure it out. Jonathan Isaac maybe could have gotten to uh, stardom with his injury. Uh, definitely not counting on that. Jalen Suggs would need a, a ton of room for improvement. And stars can affect the games in different ways. Not every star is a leading scorer, but it tends to be that way. It tends to be the most impactful stars are guys with the ball in their hands who can create offense. And I like Jabari Smith. That's not his game as I see it. Um, I think his two biggest skills, he's a lights-out shooter um, you know, from, from three-point range, and he's also a very good perimeter defender. So that leaves some flaws. I don't think he's so good at creating his own offense for himself or others as he attacks inside in a way a traditional star would. And so I'm curious if you would think there'd be – maybe you see it differently. Maybe you see a higher upside there. And I do think there's the upside. You know, he has the athleticism I think he can figure it out. Maybe you see a higher potential there. That's probably a better word than upside because I can see the upside. And so maybe you think he's not – doesn't fit as I'm describing him and is a different type of player and has more of that potential to be that leading scorer. And then my other curiosity is, you know, he's a tall guy, but his specialty is defending on the perimeter. He's not as good as a rim protector. Um, as you typically would have from maybe somebody his height. So how do you slot around him? Um, you know, this is a positionless league in some respects, but I also think there's something to, hey, you just call somebody a center, a power forward, a small forward. It gives a clue of what type of players you need to put around that person. So if it's Jabari Smith, do the Magic still need to go out and get a more traditional star, somebody who's the scorer? Uh, and how do they build around Jabari Smith, uh, who brings a lot to the table defensively, but a little different than you typically get from somebody as tall as him. Right. Yeah. So kind of coming back to, uh, I guess the first part of it, you know, but in terms of the potential, I think there is a, you know, the shooting and the perimeter defense are, you know, and not just, it, I think it's the the versatility of the shooting, you know, the spot mm-hmm. up ability, yes. but also the also the pull-up shooting is, you know, yes. it, under, and I think what's also special is it's, it's not just open. He, you know, he can do, under yeah. pressure, turnarounds from the post. Like, there's a lot of even the if the release not a whole, is so high, the, yeah. like he can get it off. Yeah, yeah, he can get it off from anywhere, no matter what's, um, no matter what's what his position is. You know, he, he didn't do a whole lot of coming off screens and what whatnot and handoffs, um, which handoffs were a big part of the Magic's offense. But he he seems comfortable shooting no matter what situation he's putting in. Like just. And he's so tall, the release is so high. It's just he just needs to go up, and it's, and he's he seems to be comfortable um, doing so. You you do worry a little bit about the handle, and I guess the uh, his wiggle, because a lot you know that especially mm-hmm. for a guy that size, you want to see a little bit better of a handle, a little bit more of a wiggle, so, so he can create his own offense, like you're saying, in those high pressure moments or in the you know um, in the moments where you know the no moments where you know a top star, a top player needs to get his own you know he needs to go out and get his own um he, he can go out and get his own in his different ways but you want to at least be see him be able to do it you know with a handle with the dribble um in different ways so that, that concern is there I, I do feel like you know a handle 
of all, you know, and maybe this is just me, maybe I'm wrong, but of, of all the skills, I feel like a handle is something that, you know, it, is, it won't ever be perfect. We're not, he's never going to be like, what, Kyrie Irving or Steph, but I think that's something that you can just, you know, over time you can work on with a guy and the hand-eye coordination improves and you can, that's something that he can improve just to be good enough to create his own offense. Maybe not so much for, uh, for others. I know that's also an issue for him. He may not be the best playmaker, but he can at least get better at creating his own, you know, with a little bit more time as he adjusts to NBA defenses, as he works on his actual handle on his own, you know, off season to off season to off season. Um, and with the rip protection, that's, and I think that's what makes this um, Jabari so interesting is that they, whether, and I, even if Mo, well, Gross Rams or Mo Bamba, you know, you already, you already have Wendell as a, uh, as a uh, a clog in the paint, want to call him that a guy who who <laughs> can who can excel as a rim protector. So even if you know Jabari is on the perimeter a decent amount, um, you st- you you still have a you know a essence of rim protection with Wendell. And if you're bringing back Mobamba, you know he he showed he showcased a little bit better rim protection skills without fouling that um, without f- fouling um, this past season. So you you can you can bring back guys. You can have guys who can protect the rim behind Jabari. And, you know, obviously, you know, maybe you have switch, you get guys get switched out and maybe Jabari's in, um, in the paint, finds himself in the paint and maybe Mo and Wendell find themselves in the perimeter. But you can still have, you know, there's always going to be length because even a guy like Franz Wagner is also he has length and size to disrupt as a uh, as a weak side guy. So, you know, I think even if he doesn't excel individually as a rim protector, you know, depending on how Jamal maybe adjusts his defensive schemes or, or try to use the versatility of the other players around Jabari to to make it, you know, uh, a strong rim protecting team because that's that's been the uh, a priority for Jamal. At least it was for Jamal um, this past season. You know, he prioritized the paint, and it was easier to do that with Wendell and Mo. You know, manning in the middle. And maybe if you get Jabari in there, depending on what happens with Mo, maybe you have to change your scheme a little bit. But I do believe that Jamal is still going to prioritize protecting the paint, regardless of who's um, who's drafting. I think that Jabari can fit in that, depending on what those adjustments are. And Jonathan Isaac can help with that if if he's playing. I mean, it's, yeah, it's I, tough I, to expect too much from him after all this time he's missed. Yeah, I was I was going to say I know I'm forgetting one name. I can't. I'm, <laughs> yes, I, I wonder why. Um, yeah, easiest one to forget about. It was that, yeah, I was going to say, I, it's also because I haven't, you know, I didn't actually cover a game with him playing. So I'm just like, I remember, I'm thinking of, like, I'm thinking of games as like, who was in what position? Where I'm like, oh yeah, Jonathan Isaac, but yeah, uh, didn't leave him out uh, on purpose, you know, yeah. uh, late, late recording and uh, <laughs> hadn't seen him play uh, with my own eyes, at least in person. Uh, but yeah, even, even if, you know, depending, J.I. was, you know, as a run protector, you know, that was one of his better skills, you know, as a defender. So you have guys who can, you know, if that's a weakness of Jabari's that doesn't develop, you have guys who can kind of, who can help mask that weakness between, you know, Mo Bamba if he comes back, between Wendell and Jonathan Isaac, depending on how healthy he is. Like, you have uh, guys in the system in place that can help protect, I guess, uh, Jabari's weakness as a uh, as a defender or I mean, a protector, rather. It, it, it's so distant, but it, like sometimes I just wonder, well, shoot, what if you just made Jabari Smith a uh, a shooting guard, right? You're not going to have the, the ball handling uh, and passing that you'd get ideally from a shooting guard. But man, his ability to defend on the perimeter with, with his length and tenacity and quick feet, I think he'd hold up against shooting guards no problem. His shooting ability is there. Um, you know, you mentioned he wasn't coming around screens a lot, but I think 
theoretically, it seems like he should be able to do that kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I think that you can get into some weird lineups if you want to go that route. You could get even weirder with Chet Holmgren. Um, I, I don't know. I don't even know if it's worth asking you, like, how they would make him f- fit in um, and what, because he's such a weird player. Like, we, I just, I feel like we just haven't seen anybody like him in the NBA. Yeah, and, and before I want to touch on Chet, like, uh, I was going, I want to mention, like, yeah, with Jabari specifically, you could have, like, lineups so you know, you could have lineups where Jabari's the four with alongside just one other big, Mo, Wendell, Jonathan, whatever. You could have lineups where Jabari's the three. And you play like a jumbo lineup with Franz, Jabari, Wendell, Mo, or Isaac. You know, you you could really, or I guess Jabari may be the two in the situation, but you can really, you know, I guess if you could have fun with it, right? Just having these big, you know, these wing, like two couple wings, like bigger wings though, with Franz and Jabari, and then you know having two bigs who can space the floor and shoot. And you know, I it's not the what traditionally seen in the NBA, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Magic. This is assuming Magic took Jabari. I wouldn't be surprised if Jabari played some more three or alongside two bigs just so, you know, to help flash those perimeter skills, but also keep that rim protection on the floor at all times. Um, so that's never an issue. And with Chet, I mean, yeah, it's the on-court mechanisms. Matching. It's just, you know, he could play next to Wendell. He could play, I guess, you know, that's the concern. Could he be a big on his own, like be the only big on the floor? You know, there's other like there's a whole different world of combinations when you get a guy like Chet because you don't know that like, his skill set is so unique or his, you know, his potential skill set is so unique. Um, like you kind of open up this book of just unknown and you just have to fill in the pages with whatever, you know, whatever combinations, whatever thoughts come to mind. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Jeff Weltman and John Hammond got contract extensions earlier this year. Uh, the Weltman took over Orlando's front office in 2017, and I feel like the core of his first several teams was mostly already in place as a team that made the playoffs in 2019 and 2020. Um, didn't do much in the playoffs, but on the first round uh, without putting up much fight, and then uh, took a step back and uh, then made this decision to rebuild, uh, trading uh I won't say all Terrence Ross is still there, but most of the veterans, I think getting pretty good value back, um, setting up the team to tank and get this high pick. 
and now it's all coming together where you can see long term how this could work as we just talked about specifically but just generally you know some solid young talent on the team and now you have a chance to have a game changer with the number one pick what do you think is the patience in orlando for for some results right it's all hypothetical right now it's all you know fun to look to the future and imagine but at some point people are going to want to see winning come out of this uh, for a team and sometimes this goes either way for a team that hasn't had much success in more than a decade what is the patience level uh for this to build up yeah if you're talking within the organization i i think Jeff has continuously, um, I guess, preached patience, if you want to say that. You know, they, they've been patient throughout this process. You know, they were patient this year, you know, in moments they could have, I guess, if you want to say go after or gone after it. You know, they were patient, you know, with how they approached this season. They were patient with their approach of injuries and everything. So I, I think there's generally, be a, generally been a patience with this group and with the situation, with this rebuild. But as Jeff told, told us um, – Tonight, you know, you know, pressure is a privilege. Um, they're privileged to be pressured with this, you know, with this opportunity to have the number one pick. And, you know, with the number one pick comes expectations. Expectations of, you know, taking advantage of that pick, you know, picking the right player. And then not, you know, not, uh, what's not? I hate to say this phrase, but not dilly-dallying for too long, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, not you know, not saying, all right, we got the number one pick. Let's see what comes after. No, you. And the thing with this that's interesting about the Magic is that they already have a lot of you know lottery picks on their roster. Yep. You know, they have Jalen. We talk about Jalen Suggs. You know, you not, we haven't. I don't even know. Well, I think I did. But you know, a guy who really surprised people this year in Franz Wagner. You know, a, a guy who I believe is going to make an All Rookie Team this season had one of the more steady rookie seasons that you see from a guy, especially. Um, it's, uh, and then you you also have Cole Anthony. You, you have Chuma Okiki. You know Mobamba's going to be a restricted free agent. We'll see where it goes with that. But you still have Jonathan Isaac. You know who's hoping to come back from injury. You know you have Markel Fultz, a number a former number one pick in his own right from 2017. You know you ha- you, you know you go through the list of names. You have a lot of former lottery picks. You know former you know top ten picks on this roster already. Wendell Carter Jr. Another you know number number seven pick. You know then you also have guys like RJ Hampton. Um, Mo Wagner, former first round picks from not too long ago. So there are, there's already a lot of young talent in place on this team. You're trying to look to add another, you know, look to add a number one pick to this group. That's going to put pressure and expectations on this team to, to advance to not, I'll say it again, not dilly dally too long. You know, you get to that place soon because that's the deserved expectations of a team, uh, of a team when they're put in this position. I see the rest of that talent. I wouldn't be rushing to get good. Um, I mean, if it turns out that whoever Orlando drafts number one just instantly lifts the team to playoff contention, that's great. I'm not running away from that. But if it's a rookie who needs some time and isn't quite ready, it's, I don't think it's the worst thing in, this, in the world for this team to uh, struggle next year while playing through that young player, giving him reps giving him a lot of room to grow and losing and getting another high draft pick. Uh, I don't think that's an overwhelming amount of young talent already in place. And assuming you hit on this draft pick, it won't be too long till you're too good to tank to the very bottom of the league. Um, you know, where even if you have a down year, you're, you're looking at a low lottery pick, right? Take advantage of while well, you can still be drafting high to that. end, I do think there's been somewhat of a change. I think, um, 
Sam Henke in Philadelphia, really broke a barrier. And it's not like he was the first one to do this, although he went way further than anybody else had, uh, but really broke a barrier toward being okay with multi-year tanking. Um, and I could be cynical about this, too. I think Jeff Weltman is correct to, to preach patience. I think that's what the Magic have have needed lately, um, to not just rush into this. And, you know, you got to time it based on what's available to you and when it's the right time to, to scale up. But if you want to be cynical, well, if you're preaching patience, you're not going to get fired, right? If we're judging the Magic not on wins and losses – but just on, A, it's going to take a while. Well, Jeff Weltman gets to keep this really great job he has. Uh, who, who wouldn't want to be you know, running an NBA front office? A lot of people would love that job. Uh, he has one of 30 of them. And so the longer he can delay being judged on wins and losses, the better. Um, that's cynical. The less cynical take is I do think this is the right strategy for the Magic. Um, and so I, I think uh, this particular lottery made it so it paid off uh, around the league, not just in Orlando. The two youngest teams in the NBA last year, uh, based on minutes played, were the the Magic and the Thunder, and those teams got the top two picks. And so there's this added level of excitement to these young teams. It, it's you know not the Thunder last year where they were tanking and ended up with a lower pick. Uh, the third pick goes to the Rockets, who had the fifth youngest roster, so very high up on this list of youngest roster. And by the time you remember... James Harden was on the Rockets last season. The Rockets were trying to win around James Harden last season. Now, that didn't last long, uh, but that's about as young as you can get when you're making that quick of a transition. The Rockets added uh, four first-round picks there. Um, you know, really transformed themselves as a young team. They get the, the number three pick. I think ar- around the league, you're seeing from these young teams, they have these, new, these additional reasons now with these high draft picks to be excited to keep fans engaged, and they don't necessarily have to be good yet. Uh, You mentioned already internally within the organization the feeling of patience. What is the level of patience slash excitement? Uh, Because I think those things go hand-in-hand conversely. Uh, What do you you think those levels are among the fan base in Orlando now? Right. And and actually, before I got to that, I actually agree, and I I meant to say this, that Jeff told us, even before the lottery, or maybe it was just she told me that this, you know, nothing changed, like nothing really, like there, the the sentiment or the, I guess you would call it the sentiment, like it doesn't change going to next season. Like they're very much still in the in the camp of they're trying to develop these young players and give them more playing time and seeing what they have. Now, the more cynical part of that is we're not in any rush to get good anytime soon, um, like you were saying. But I think there is a point of like, you know, a lot of these, they do have a lot of young guys who you don't, you know, you're not really too sure about. So I don't think there is, a, I'm not feeling, you know, at least from inside the organization, I'm not feeling a rush to, you know, chase after the play in tournament or chase after the playoffs, I'm, I'm specifically for this, uh, for next season, for the 2022, 2023 season. When I, I answered earlier, I was thinking more like, more like long term, even like three yeah. years out. Um, but for this upcoming season, I don't feel an internal rush to, you know, push for the play in. Um, or push for the playoffs. I think, I think they're very much, I think, you know, without saying that, I think Jeff kind of said it himself, like they're very much in the mode of still developing, still, you know, trying to figure out the own, their young guys too, because to your point, you know, Jalen Suggs had a, you know, a rough rookie season, but you know, we, we've seen it, especially from, you know, from ball handlers, guards, you may have a rough rookie season, you get an off season of work and you come back even stronger the second season, you know, Markel Fultz returned from injury um, in February, got a, you know, 
seven, I think 17, close to 20 games and, you know, seeing what he's out, you know, still, he still hasn't played that many, you know, something like less than 130 games, around 130 games in his NBA career. So just seeing what these guys have um, is going to be the priority. And when you have a number one pick, you can see what he has, and that's going to create excitement. And I'm going to tie this into the fans, but there's going to create excitement and buzz, et cetera. And you can have that buzz without having to, you know, have the, I guess, the day-to-day pressure of let's win these games so we can do X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z being, you know, make the play and make the playoffs. You, there's, there's just going to be so much excitement about having that young core on the floor, having that number one pick on the floor throughout the season. And with the fans, you know, I, I think it's with the fan base, it's been such a – it's been so tough. Um, in terms of, you know, the past, I, I wrote it in my story, but I don't actually remember off the top of my head, however many tries before tonight, you know, they've either stayed the same or moved down. And the one when they won in 2004, they had the worst, you know, the, wor- the worst record and they had the best odds to get the number one pick when they got Dwight Howard. Um, and that was back when it was a 25% to get the number one pick if you uh, had, the, had the best odds. But before that, they hadn't moved up, you know, moved up in a draft lottery since 1993 when they, you know, Chris Webber, the Chris Webber trade for Penny Hardaway. So I think there was just so much relief and excitement just to be able to say that they're at the top, you know, of the lottery. They get the number one pick again after so much <laughs> misfortune, you know, top of the draft mountain, I, you know, relative to everything other to other mountains, I guess you want to call it that. I, I love, I love, oh, they're excited about being at the top of the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, when you when you've been, you know, in the lottery so many times, that feels like the top of the mountain, right? Like that's what I'm saying. There's oh, so yeah. many different mountains to this. You know, you're climbing the lottery mountain, and then you realize, oh shoot, there's a whole other mountain to climb. We call that the playoff mountain, but <laughs> um, or we call that the NBA standings. That's the the other mountain that you want to climb, right? But uh, yeah, I think, but there's just been so much relief and excitement just to be able to get, you know. To not fall, even if, to be honest with you, even if they they stayed at number two, I think there would have been excitement just because you know that would have made all right. We didn't fall this year. They fell last year. Pretty sure they fell. You know the the previous two seasons they were in the lottery. You know, and, and that and that can be you know that can be rough. And what's also been rough about it the previous few seasons or you know, two other seasons is those times they fallen. You know, a game changing player was taken. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, 2000, 2018, they have the number six pick. Who's taking the, the pick ahead? Trey Young. Um, mm-hmm. I forget who 17 was, but, you know, they, that was the year they took Isaac. I forget who's taking in front of, directly in front of him. But it's always, you know, there's been this feeling of consistent game trainers have been taken right ahead of them. So now I think there's, even without getting to the, the idea of a pressure or, like, winning, there's this excitement that the Magic can get their guy, whoever their guy wants to be, whether it's Chet, whether it's Jabari, the fan base feels like they're going to get their guy and their guys, the Magic guy, whoever they wind up, you know, Paolo, uh, I, I know we haven't talked too much about him, um, but, you know, they're going to get their guy. I think there's there's an ex- a real palpable excitement for that. In 2017, it was De'Aaron Fox to the Kings, one pick ahead, who's looked very good at times, not so good last season. Right. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here before we close out. Uh, oh, yeah, real quick sure. on real quick on Paulo because I'll throw him in here too. But you can say anybody you want. Paulo, I don't have as high. Uh, for me, it's a two person race between uh, Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith. But Paulo does fit that archetype of more of a traditional star, somebody who can create his own shot, put the ball on the floor, attack the basket, drive and kick. Uh, 
it, it's the easier fit of a star. So I, I see the appeal there. I'm not sure the shooting is there. His defense was so inattentive. Like, I'd take him high in the draft for that upside, but I wouldn't take him this high personally. But I want to put you on the spot. You're in charge. You get to decide who the pick is. This is not a prediction on who the Magic will take. You know, you already said that you think Jabari Smith is the most likely, but it could be Chet Holmgren. Who would you take? Yeah, I, I would go with – I would go personally, I would go with Jabari. Uh, that's the guy who – I think the Magic want to take him, but also myself personally uh, would take. I, I think for the reasons that we mentioned earlier, you know, the not just the shooting, but the versatility with that shooting, and then the you know, the motor he has, the the perimeter defense. I, I think there is, you know, the weaknesses with his handle, um, and you know how much offense he can he create with himself, um, even for that size. You know, outside of, you know, the ball, I guess, being, you know, uh, distributed to him in certain spots. You know, I think that's something he can definitely improve upon. Uh, I, and, you know, I think there's also that like, concern about, like, him getting to the paint. You know, there, there, maybe there's sometimes a tendency to, you know, to settle for the tougher shots that are good for him. Maybe not always be, like, the, the shot that you want within, a, within the flow of an offense. Um, I think some of those things, you know, there are some things that you can improve upon. You know, not too, not. I'm not gonna say very easily, but I think those are definitely things that if he proves upon that, that's gonna just gonna change the, I guess, the outlook of his career. And I think he has the, the scoring, like the outline of a scoring skill set of a star player, if that makes sense. Um, I know we we mentioned you know Chet too, and I, we didn't talk too much about Paulo. You know, I think you mentioned at one point, um, you know, not being not having him as, I guess, in the same tier as Chet and Jabari. And I haven't either. I think there's a very, uh, a very clear skill set with him that could be appealing. You can kind of see, like, the makings of a star skill set. I, I think there are just concerns about his game. And I think even, you know, being around here at the Combine or being around people in the draft, you know, the draft lottery, that is. And those, I think those concerns are, you know, shared amongst others. So, for me, I, I think Jabari is the guy. I think Jabari is the guy. And whether the Magic see the same thing remains to be seen. But for me, I, I think Jabari is the, the guy who, who should be taken with the number one pick. Reserve my right to change uh, this before the draft. Still digging deeper into these players. But at this moment, I think I would lean toward Chet. I'm just so intrigued by the combination of the defense, uh, the shooting, uh, the ball handling, the ability to score efficiently from inside the arc uh, with his craft, with his touch. Not sure how it's going to end out. Um, I'm also, I've sort of learned that when somebody's biggest problem is they're not strong enough, that's usually not too big of a problem. Uh, he's 20 years old. I, I've got confidence he's going to get stronger. Most players do. And he's already a, a solid player inside. So I think that would help him. Uh, I think he plays stronger than he is just in terms of his style and his comfort among phys with physicality. Uh but Jamari Smith could absolutely become the best player in this draft. He might, by the time the draft rolls around, he might even be my my choice for number one. Ultimately, it's not going to matter who you know we think should be number one. The Orlando Magic are going to get to decide that. I'm very much looking forward to following your coverage leading up to the draft, tracking uh, which way the Magic are leaning as they learn more about this, and then uh, whoever they pick, following your coverage to to learn more about that player and uh, the track of his career. This is a uh, you know, ideally for Orlando, a 15-year decision. This is not anything short-term, um, and it's going to be fascinating to watch it play out. 
Colby, thanks a ton for coming on. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate you again for having me on. We talk again. I may have. A, I may be like, oh, no, Chet's the guy. To be honest with you, I've been going back and forth about Chet and Jabari <laughs> for weeks now. So I also reserve the right to change my mind. So if y'all hear me say, I say Chet, uh, don't say anything to me. Just know I am going back and forth just like everybody else. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.